Please remain standing as we read today's scripture passage. That can be found on page 22 of your pew Bibles. This can be from Genesis 28, starting in verse 10. I will read this now. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put under his head and lay it in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and on top of the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the name of the place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set up for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. Do please sit down. It seems uh, fitting somehow on this Sunday when the... Uh, clocks go forward and we lose an hour's sleep, then I'm preaching on a text that is about someone waking up from sleep or dreaming, which I hope you won't be doing as I preach. It is, of course, a very well-known story and one which has had uh, multiple, sometimes rather fanciful interpretations. Even in popular culture, of course, there was a rather famous rock song from the 70s called Stairway to Heaven that had its own interpretation. What are we to make of this story and how are we to apply it uh, to our lives today? Well, the story has two movements to it. Uh, There is the dream and then there is the commitment. The dream and then the commitment. Uh, Jacob, of course, is traveling. Uh, He has had to leave his home, his father, his mother, his brother, and he's on a journey. And uh, he's in the middle of that journey. 
Uh, for some reason that the story doesn't make clear, um, Jacob cannot even find a good bit of hospitality for that evening. Uh, in ancient culture, it was common to offer hospitality to travelers, but for one reason or another, there he is by the side of the road. He makes rocks his pillow. Whether he is literally resting his head on a slightly less uncomfortable rock, or as uh, some scholars these days think, positioning rocks around his head to be a sort of guard against snakes or bugs in the night. Either way, it's not exactly five-star lodgings. He's uh, in a cardboard box on the side of the highway. Remember how he has had to leave. Uh, He uh, would have felt estranged from his father whom he had deceived, and uh, from the land that in some sense or other he was still the recipient of the promised blessing, but even of that he must have felt confused. He's on a journey, like many in our culture today, and he's not sure where he's going. He cannot even find somewhere to stay the night. Then the dream comes, and what a dream it is. There's a ladder. One foot resting on the earth and the top, reaching all the way to heaven. Clearly, some connection is being made here between heaven and earth. Uh, But what is the nature of that connection? Angels are ascending and descending on that ladder. Angels, of course, in the Bible are messengers of God and protectors of God's people. So Jacob is uh, being shown that he is not outside of God's care and protection, even on the side of the road. He's uh, being given a glimpse into some spiritual reality which is normally beyond human sight. And the Lord is uh, standing above the ladder, or as it could also be translated, and as I think is more likely, and uh, its relevance will become clear as we move through the sermon, he is, the Lord is standing next to the ladder. The Lord is with him. He's right there in that Place. Now hold on to that word place. That too will be important. So there is this dream. Angels and the Lord and a ladder. Uh, 
And the Lord speaks to Jacob and reaffirms the covenant blessing of Abraham now being passed on through Isaac to Jacob. In particular, it is emphasized, I will not leave you, this wandering pilgrim. Not all those who wander are lost, as J.R.R. Tolkien put it. Far from home and family, he is being told that God is with him and the plan is still on track. And uh, Jacob awakes. How awesome is this place? Surely this is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven? Well, after this dream comes then the next morning, the commitment. He uh, takes one of these stones and he sets it up as a as a pillar. He's um, building a, a rudimentary um, altar for an offering. He may not have a really fancy Bible, but he's going to use the Bible he finds on the uh, bedside cabinet in that hotel room. He may not have a really fancy house, but he's going to use that cardboard box as the house of God. He may be on the road, but uh, his hotel room does not have the TV turned on to unedifying movies. But the Bible is open, and he's doing his devotions. He's building an altar on the road. He's telling the hotel staff about Jesus. Uh, the drive through people he's sharing the message of the gospel with. He's exalting this God who has met with him through this amazing, awesome dream. And he makes then a commitment, a vow. If God is true to what he said, if this is what's going to happen, then he will make the Lord his God. Now, that's a very interesting thing for him to say. Evidently, up until this moment, he is not fully committed that the Lord is his God. How easy it is to grow up surrounded by the covenant blessings of faith and not own them for yourself. Well, this is the moment when he does. Sometimes it takes a crisis, even a family crisis like the one that Jacob had had before we can find that God is real and his promises true and we can commit our lives safely to him. Well, Jacob does that. He commits his life to God, even his finances too, of which he covenants to give to God a tenth. Now, this is not a very sophisticated faith yet. It's not like reading the commitments of Moses uh, or even Abraham later in his life. 
but it is a commitment. He's met God and he's going to give God his life. Perhaps you've heard of uh, Blaise Pascal. Blaise Pascal, famous French philosopher, renowned uh, for many things, but one of uh, the things for which he's famous is uh, what's known as Pascal's wager. Blaise Pascal said that it is logical to commit to God on the basis that even if God is not real, then if he is real, we will get eternity thrown in too. And it's illogical not to commit to God because of the possibility of that same eternity. Well, this is not a wager, but it's a commitment, even if it is not perhaps ideal. It's easy, isn't it, for those of us who are more mature in our Christian faith to look down our noses a little bit at the less mature commitments of those who are newer to Christian things. At least he's making a commitment. (laughs) He fell off his horse, dusts himself off, and he's back up on the horse again. God met with him. He's committed. The dream, the commitment. Now, what does it all mean? Many have wondered about that. And as I say, there have been many fanciful answers given in popular culture and in, uh, in the church down through the years. The key to understanding what it means is to notice two sets of repeated words and then remember how it is that Jesus himself refers to this passage. The first set of repeated words is place. Verse 11 emphasizes place three times in one verse. And then again in verse 16, place. And again, verse 17, place. And once more, verse 19, he calls the name of that place. Bethel. Jacob, of course, was placeless. He'd left home. And suddenly he encounters God on the road. Who would have thought that this place, this cardboard box, could be a temple? It's so easy, isn't it, for us to think that only special religious places can be zones of access to God. But as Jesus taught us, his worshippers are to worship him in spirit and in truth. Even a desert road with a few rocks can be the house of God. God is not bound by the atmosphere that we create or the physics of the architecture that we build. God can meet us in a dream 
on the road apparently to nowhere. He could even meet you here in church, you know. This place, this house of God, you could meet with him. The other set of repeated words is also, I think, significant, and that is Father. You'll find it right before our passage in verse 2 and 7 and 8, and then in our passage, verses 13 and 21. And in particular, the way that God speaks in verse 13 is fascinating. It's a very rare way for God to describe himself with relation to these patriarchs, if not unique in the Old Testament. And it is tweaked, especially for Jacob. God says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. Well, who was Jacob's father? Not Abraham, Isaac. And how had Isaac treated Jacob? Abysmally. God is, as it were, saying, remember, Jacob, that Isaac may have treated you that way, but you have a grandfather. And the blessing of God from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob is not changed. You know, sometimes as a pastor, I come across uh, people who have had apparently very spiritual parents. Uh, father who's been a pastor, or a missionary, or a Christian leader of some kind, or an elder, or a deacon, or whatever it is. But when they describe their upbringing to me, it's very clear that their father has not been a very good father. Often at such moments, if that person has a secure faith, grandparents have had a huge influence. Grandfather, grandmother, do not despise the influence you can have on your grandchildren. But even beyond that, the Lord says, I am the God of Abraham, your father, and Isaac. And so Jacob's faith is not to rest in his father or his grandfather, but in God. Which brings us to uh, the last and most important aspect, which is to remember how Jesus himself referred to this passage. It is a little obscure, but it's very clear. I'm working on a commentary on uh, John's gospel, and it pops out of the page when you read it carefully. It's John chapter 1, verse 51. You don't need to turn it up if you don't want to. I'll just refer to it. Nathaniel is amazed that Jesus spotted him uh, under the fig tree. 
And uh, then Jesus replies. He says, you know, Nathaniel, you're going to see yet more amazing things than that. You will see, Jesus says, heaven opened. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You remember who's standing at the foot of the ladder? Showing the way to heaven? Jesus. Let's pray together as we come now to the table. Show me thy face, one transient gleam of loveliness divine, and I shall never think or dream of other love save thine. Lord, as we come now to this table, we do indeed pray that you would show us your face. And that in this house of God, we might, in this place, encounter you. For we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.